Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. The virus that causes shingles is sleeping in 99% of people over 50. While not everyone at risk will develop shingles, it strikes as a painful rash that can last for weeks. Wake up because shingles could wake up in you. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles prevention. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. So just letting you know that this is an incredible interview, but it gets very heavy pretty quickly. So if you're looking for light, that's not this interview. It's very intense about an intense journey, struggle, and evolution. So just know that before you listen. It's so funny now that stylists, so it used to be sort of taboo that publicists would be famous. Like publicists were supposed to be not seen. They were just sort of behind the scenes. I mean, years ago, the chefs in kitchens were not really celebrities. But publicists behind the scenes weren't just like making comments and weren't doing reality TV shows and and being famous themselves as there was a whole iteration of that. Now it's these stylists, which is so interesting. And it sort of started with the the, the Rachel Zoe and Brad uh, Goreski came later. And, um, but these stylists are famous in on their own and their brand names and the same star pool, like this younger Instagram social media star pool, like, Haley Baldwin and um, one of the Demilias, I think it's the D- Charlie Demilia or Addison Ray. I-, I always get them mixed up. One of them, and then you know, years ago it was Rachel Zoe styling. I think like Nicole Richie and um, the the twins, the 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 Olsen twins, and like so now there's this younger world where these different stylists are um, styling all these young celebrities. And it's really seemingly very competitive, more so than ever, because you're seeing the more outlandish outfits. Like, they're having to one-up each other and top each other. And it seems at full tilt crazier than ever. Like, And it must be crazy them having to compete to get the designers to give them first look. You know what I mean? Like to get the Balmain, to get the Givenchy thing, to get the Balenciaga. It's got to be this whole different war that the stylists are like sort of punching other stylists out to do that. And I've never really worked with a stylist. I don't even know to have like an amazing stylist, what that would be like, how much that would be. And I've always just wanted to shop my own closet. I'm too sort of 
economical and non-wasteful. I never want to wear something that just came out right now. That's a thing. I always want to sort of dig through different parts of my closet to wear something I haven't worn in a while with something new. And so I think that should be a wave of stylists. I actually think it'd be a great business. People who come to celebrities and to other sort of higher end people, but then also to make this a more democratic thing where people came in and it was a certain amount per hour and they could get you discounts at certain places, just like interior designers get you discounts that you can't necessarily get that almost pay for um, what you're doing. And they come in and they shop your closet and sort of complete outfits and stage outfits, you know, on a rolling rack. So it's more economical for the individual and also for the celebrity. And it's sort of more um, green, you know, whatever the word is, non-wasteful because you're using what you already have. I think that's sort of, it's upcycling. I just like that as a whole idea. And that's what I do. I'll wear something. I chopped out of my own closet from the Emmy, for the Emmys. That was something that was sitting in my closet for two years. I buy when something's, I live for it or it's a great deal. And I just keep it in my closet and just wait for its moment to come. And it could literally be years later. I have clothes that I bought years ago for the housewives that I've never worn. And for the whole Big Shot show, which my outfits were bomb, they were all just sitting with tags. And I still have outfits sitting with tags that I just sort of wait for their moment. And I rarely, never walk into a store and buy something right now. And, you know, I'm not saying Dolce Gabbana is jumping over each other to dress me, but I know a lot of designers that I'm friendly with that, you know, I went to Christian Siriano's party and he gave me a gorgeous dress and that was really nice. And, um... Other people that you guys would know of, but Brandon Maxwell and um, and I have relationships with the designer designers, but I don't like to borrow usually. I like to keep. So meaning if I want it, I'll buy it. Like in other words, I was on a red carpet for a variety event and I was wearing an Alexander McQueen dress that I'd had in my closet for a long time. And I think it was Cindy Adams I met on the red carpet, the post, post reporter. And she said... You know who where did you get this it's borrowed and I said no it's mine she said what do you mean you don't I said I don't I don't borrow clothes I like to buy it if I I'm not a window shopper I want to own it she said oh my god that's unbelievable she's like I've never heard of that I'm like are you serious so I did not know that everybody on every red carpet is borrowing or being I guess the designers like them I doubt Kim Kardashian has to give stuff back or uh Chrissy Teigen but I like to buy because I don't want to have to give it back I want to keep it so I'd rather just own it. So that seems to be um, miraculous to people. Not that I ever leave the house. I buy things that look delicious and cozy and um, I'll buy something if I don't have it, if it's really different, if it's some sort of wild emerald green boot that I really think will be cool or I just bought a crazy amazing jacket at Bloomingdale's. I was there looking for, oh, I was looking for a dress for my daughter for bat mitzvah and, and bought a very expensive retail item or I was with my fiance's mom and I saw something beautiful and bought it but it's 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 rare I'll shop on vacation or I'll shop in gift shop like hotel gift shops meaning places that have like interesting cover-ups because I never go to stores and they seem to do interesting buyer buying but I buy things that are either so classic like a cashmere cardigan that I'll keep for 10 years or a wrap or something so unique that you know you have to buy it now and they're not making it again or it's just really different or you bought it in a different country. But um, I'll shop on high-end luxury good items or watches that you can collect and keep forever and that are investments. I guess that's what it is. It has to be an investment on some level. I'm a person who's even business about shopping. I'm and not. It's unintentional, but I just, I'd have to, It'd have to be some serious occasion for me to want to buy something just because it looks amazing. It have to, yeah, it has to seem like some sort of an investment on some level if it's expensive. Do you have a favorite investment piece and what is your philosophy and strategy and MO when it comes to shopping and buying? I don't shop, I buy. That's what it is. I don't just stroll around and say, you know, I'm going to shop. I buy. And sometimes the way that people will binge eat not it's not even a binge we'll just eat something amazing it's actually not a binge it's like a delicious piece of chocolate cake I'll say 
I'm, I'm, I'm having a shit week or I just worked my ass off and I'm going to buy something that I, you know, maybe probably shouldn't buy. So I indulge, but it's different. Yeah, but I do not buy and large. No, I, I like 99.9% I do not borrow. So today I'm speaking to Sylvia Vasquez Lovato. She is an inspiration. She's so interesting. I wanted to have her on because she was the first gay woman and one of the few women in history to complete the seven summits. Okay, she's climbed Mount Everest. To think about somebody actually accomplishing something we use as a, a metaphor for something that seems daunting and impossible uh, it's just going to be such an interesting conversation. She's an explorer. She's a social justice leader. She set these goals and accomplished them and saved her own emotional life. She is an advocate for survivors of sexual abuse, which she is one, and uh, of trafficking. She has started her own nonprofit called Courageous Girls, and she travels the world to speak on this issue. I am so thrilled and excited for her to join us. So let's go. Hi, Bethany. How are you? Very nice to meet you. Where are you? I am right now in Lima, Peru. Oh, uh, wow. We're, we're doing a, a Southern Hemisphere interview. So I'm actually at my childhood home. I just returned from climbing, uh, from doing a big women expedition in the southern part of Peru. I, I hadn't been home since last February, right after my father died, uh, I left. I wanted to come back for his one-month anniversary mass, and then COVID hit. And so I have been out of the country till now. And oh, wow. Yeah. So the U.S. Embassy brought me here to do a lot of different programs, again, uh, for women, I mean, against domestic violence. And uh, so I've been doing a lot of work here. Well, it's funny because I, my friend from high school uh, is from Perua, is Peruana, is from Peru and oh, from really? Lima. Yeah, and her family owns the hotel at the beginning of the Machu Picchu trek and at the end. There's a hotel oh, yeah. at the beginning and the end, so you probably know. <laughs> I know. I was just in Machu Picchu about a month ago. Uh, that was part of the visit. So have you been to Peru? I haven't, and I would love to. I heard it's beautiful. Oh my God, you would love especially Machu Picchu. And uh, I think they are the Belmont family, the the ones that own the hotel. It's absolutely stunning. I haven't been. Oh, Belmont, like the Belmont? Belmont Hotels, I believe so. Okay, maybe they bought it um, or, ma- or are managing it. So, okay, so many people listening will not know who you are, but will yes. soon hear your story when Selena Gomez plays you in a film. Uh, what does that feel like just that process happening? And were you even aware of Selena Gomez? And were you shocked? And did you have any <laughs> part in choosing her to play you? And how does that all feel? You know, um, I love that you, you're starting with this question. And, and Bethany, once again, it is such an amazing honor to to have this conversation with you. Huge admiration for who oh, you wow. are. And Thank <laughs> yes, you. I, um, and of course, yes, I knew who Selena Gomez was. Um, and I have to tell you that, you know, she was on my dream list, but the very first moment that I heard that, you know, she was interested, gratitude was the very first part that came to me. Um, you know, an amazing, I, I think this whole journey overall, even being to the point of, of having the opportunity of writing the book has been just this um, Cinderella ride for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of looking, you know, for the charming prince, it's just really, you know, my, my own release, my, my own opportunity of just sharing the story widely to be able to touch as many people as I can. So so it was so hard for, for us to even get to the book um, process that to even have Selena interested was, you know, an unbelievable study. Yeah. It was it's really powerful. It is really powerful, and she's loved and adored, and I I think it's great. She seems very sweet and charming. And so you have an interesting story in that what sounds like the biggest trauma of someone's life, experiencing sexual abuse, has really driven your mission, your philanthropy, your career, 
your whole life. Yes. So like your thorn in, you know, I call it rose and thorn. Uh, yes, your yes. thorn has, has created so many roses. So, and there are so many people who have experienced sexual abuse. So describe how old were you and how has that sort of molded and shaped your life? And when were you able to first talk about this and how has that journey been? I usually talk about someone's home life and as it pertains to business, et cetera, but this isn't really a business story. This is really just a life story. So I want to get into sort of that as a thread in your home and your life emotionally and how that's affected your journey. It's, it's, it's very unique that, you know, I'm able to have this interview here from Peru in my childhood home. Um, the sexual abuse happened here at my home when I was around ages. It started between the ages five and six. And uh, it was a process, unfortunately, somebody that my parents really trusted. And, you know, at the time, patriarchy and just the whole machismo culture that was happening. I mean, men had just so much power. Uh, the relationship with my father wasn't the greatest. He was a very abusive man. Uh, he wasn't so much of an alcoholic, but he was just, he carried a lot of anger in him. And this, this guy who my parents had entrusted, I think, picked up on it. And, you know, for him, it was incredibly easy to just say, you know, this is what your parents want. And I was craving for affection from my father. I mean, he was such a cold person that I just wanted to, you know, to be the obedient girl. I wanted to do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also my mother entrusted this person. My mother had been married once. Both my parents had been very, very poor. And my mother had three children for her first marriage, which my father prohibited her to be around. So my mother had to find a way to try to run away from the house whenever she can. And when this guy who they had known for a while felt that he, she couldn't trust me with him, you know, she took on the chances like, okay, well, let me, let me continue being a good mother, even though, you know, my current husband doesn't allow me to be, to have my kids coming. Let me try to go over there. And so it was on those periods that my mother used to run and to see my older brothers that when the abuse started developing and, and it was kind of almost a brainwashing experience. Um, and I just had no idea. I mean, I just, you know, my voice from very young was taken away and I just was told, I did what I was told, but, but little things started kind of not making sense. You know, especially when you're a little girl, you're growing in the whole fairy tale about Prince Charming. My parents' age also mm-hmm. was quite different. My dad was 20 years older than my mom. So I figured, wow, well, maybe this guy will become my Prince Charming. Plus my father had come from, my, my father's upbringing was very poor. He was from a very small remote village uh-huh. outside Peru. So in my little, like, you know, what it is so heartbreaking is you put yourself in this little innocent girl. And, and that's the one part with children, you know, their innocence is something that you never cross. And, and so in my little head, I'm trying to make sense of things. And, and it was just really horrible. And then ultimately, um, this guy gets married. And, you know, it actually starts becoming the kind of the crumbling of this, this dream in my head. Uh, my parents take me to the wedding. You know, actually, my parents had paid for the wedding and they had organized everything because on the one side, you know, this, I mean, this guy is somebody that they can entrust. And it is when I am in the process to receive my first communion. I'm only nine years old and I'm, I was such a Catholic girl following all the Ten Commandments and really wanted to be pure that I realized, okay, this is strange. Uh, I'm obeying mm-hmm. my parents, but this guy just got married. This is adultery. What am I doing? And, and I will never forget. And, and, I, and, I, and of course, when the guy told me, keep it quiet, I kept this you know, obedient, quiet, not going to piss my, father, not my parents. Um, and so the first person I told was the priest. I, I remember mentioning to the priest, you know, I have been with a married man. And the priest just said, all right, you know what, you know, you know, no worries about it. Um, you know, just gave me a traditional like two Hail Marys, blah, blah, blah. And, and so in my head, I was like, okay, well, you know, life is going to go on. And I think within a year, we had one of these ladies that came. Wait, the priest didn't intervene and do something? The priest didn't call any. Nope, nope, nope. The priest is, you know, hair. I wonder what the rules are with that. Isn't there like a vow that the priest takes that he's not allowed to say? 
I am not even sure, but then also at the time, I mean, not to ignite too much fire, but, you know, Catholic Church, they were having their own issues. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, as a little girl, that is my cry for help. Uh, and, you know, for the priest to simply go like, yeah, you know, I mean, just two, two Holy Marys, blah, blah, you're absolved. I mean, I think my, my, my issue was, and, and that is sad when, when I, whenever I hear back to this, to know that as a little girl, you know, I'm the one who's trying to please and, and make sure that I'm not the one breaking the rules. You know, not realizing at the time that it's a grown-up man. Uh, of course, and you're in a you're in Peru, and a priest may not even believe you, may be blowing you off because you're a little kid ranting, or it's a man's world, and what are they going to say? And you know, God, there are yeah. so many dynamics. Wow, that that's just I have to stop there because you said like that's like when you tell a therapist they can't. They can't say anything you've told them, but if it's about murdering someone or molestation, a, a, a therapist would have to yeah. intervene. Um, and and I think what's most interesting about the way you're describing this is so honestly, like you're not acting. A lot of people have shame, so they talk about it in the past as if they were just so traumatized and thought it was terrible. When I think that many kids, they don't know any difference. I had, I had three different people touch me. One was a 16-year-old boy and I was probably seven. I had a fa- my a mm. stepfather's friend who was like a gambling guy, a bookie, a, a bookmaker at the racetrack. And later, a father friend who was like a uncle, like lo- loved him so much that he was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, but not, you know, not the same person continuing on. But like you mentioned, it didn't feel totally wrong. It felt wrong when I was 18 it happened because I was older. But it just yeah. it's something that you remember but you don't know if you really remember it right it's like blurry and you feel like it's a dream and you don't know if you're making it up but you know that it's so recurring and you know it's 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 for you it was so repetitive it's it's a fact that it happened but i think so many people have yeah. these blurred visions and memories of these things happening yes. and we suppress them and they affect our lives. We don't realize it. Absolutely. It's amazing that you're being honest about the fact that you acted like you were in a relationship with this man. You felt that it was sort of real and that he was like committing adultery because it had been set up for you as a real relationship yeah. in your mind. In my little mind. Wow. And, and then, you know, the unravel comes about a year later when we have one of, one of these ladies coming and talking about sex education. And next thing they're like, little girls, you're pure. This is not going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And she's describing everything that wow. I'm already experiencing. And then I'm going like, wait a minute, what's going on? And around the same time, out of all things, I see a show, you know, we were Catholic and there was a lot of evangelics. So the 700 Club was huge here. And I remember watching an episode of a 700 Club and then seeing these three, four older women in the U.S. talking about having been molested and having turned into prostitutes and having turned into you know, how their lives got into the way. And I, I remember just in shock going like, whoa, mm. what is my fate now? Well, that's interesting too, because kids, and I've seen it, you know, th- my daughter hasn't had any experience like that, so I'm not saying that, but she's 11. And when you turn 10, it feels like you, all of a sudden, things that happen when you were a child file in like a movie. So things that, you know, yeah. like at 10 and nine, you go back and you think, oh, wait, that didn't make sense. That wasn't right. Oh, that was happening. Things they put together about a divorce, things they put together about different yeah. dynamics. And yeah. it feels like the movie comes into clear vision when you're 10 or nine and you're putting the flashbacks together. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like exactly when it happened to you. You're just yeah. like all the pieces are coming together in the puzzle and it's not great. And, you know, wow, that's amazing. That, that is possible when the nightmare started. That's when you start feeling damaged. That's when the self-esteem goes down. The minute that you're able to realize right from wrong or that you're different. And I had no one to really go through it. So, you know, I did what many victims do, which is internalize it. I became an ugly duckling then, you know, which of course didn't help being bullied all the way through high school. And I was literally just like drowning. Absolutely. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm living with this nightmare on my own. And it's just, and you can just tell, I mean, and that's what pains me a lot when I see a lot of young women who you can just tell there's something kind of quiet that they're hiding from it. Um, You know, like my sense of, my own voice went away. And it was until I told my, I mean, and I think at one point, I was around 15 when I finally 
had enough. And the relationship with my father only got worse. Um, you know, he used to beat me up as well. And so at one point I realized like maybe he did it. And so when I just burst that out, I think that was possibly the first time that was the beginning of, of really, you know, for my family to start dealing with it. I mean, my mother got so depressed. She couldn't believe what had happened. Um, she eventually had me leave the country, and that's ultimately how I ended up in the United States with a scholarship to, to kind of start a new life abroad. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Imagine a sharp, stabbing pain on your skin. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful, blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. So you're you're experiencing hormones. You're becoming a woman, exactly the, yeah. the part of you that quote unquote, made all of this happen. So it's very confusing experiencing all these kinds of emotions and doing it on your own. And you've talked a lot about holding on to pain. Yes. So it's like been part of you. And a lot of us have had different experiences that, you know, different personality traits, different relationships we pick and that pain lives within us. And then how did you break out of that? I mean, I... The, I read about a drug-induced experience and then getting into, obviously, yes. climbing mountains. So can you explain that next chapter? Absolutely. I mean, I became an alcoholic. I, um, you know, in my 20s, I moved to San Francisco. I was dealing with my sexuality. I started working for Sky Vodka at the time, which ultimately became Campari. Um, and I was a way that I found to, you know, numb my pain by drinking. And I took it to the extreme 
Um, I got arrested, got into a bad DUI, and even then I still had to hit rock bottom. And, and when I hit rock bottom, I asked my mom for help. Um, and this was always like the, the memories and, and the shame of this. My mother always felt guilty in a way. So it wasn't something that we could speak of course. out about it quite open. Um, and she asked me to come down to Peru. Because she didn't protect you as a parent. She felt that way. And of course, this was out of her control. And when you look at the statistics, it's heartbreaking because it's almost like, how can we change society's way of, of really taking you know, more accountability? Um, and my mother had done ayahuasca. My mother was, was a very conservative woman. And so for her to do that and for her to ask me to do that was something of, of this holy call. Um, because I know, I mean, she never did drugs. She, she, she was a very straight, very square type of person. And so coming from her felt like, all right. What Tell everybody what ayahuasca is. Because I barely, Chelsea Handler told me what it was. I still don't totally know. But it sounds like your mom was presenting it as something spiritual, especially from your Peruvian culture versus like drugs. Okay, you know what I mean? Like a, like a ritual. Absolutely. So ayahuasca is actually a tree that grows in the Amazon. And what uh, what you would call it shamans or we call it priests or priestesses from the area, what they have developed is actually, and, and they believe in a lot of potions. They believe, I mean, in way of harmony with environment, you know, they cure themselves with natural medicine. So ayahuasca, if anything, is a little bit of an extension of a natural medicine. Is it is the root of a tree that you ferment and what it allows you to do, if you do it properly, it allows you to get into your subconscious and you are able to connect to areas that maybe we have shut down for, you know, decades. And that it is the true, the, the true purpose of ayahuasca. It's a healing medicine. Now that, you know, you have the range that people have taken it into multiple things, but the way that the people in the Amazon apply it to you is incredibly it's, it's incredibly sacred and you have to be in ceremony to do it. You have to be prepared. You have to go like, for example, when we did it, I had to be on a, on a one month diet of, you know, no spicy food. No, I mean, no fish. I mean, if anything, kind of a vegetarian diet, no alcohol for you and for your body to be prepared. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Was it scary? Were you scared? I'd be terrified to lose control. Was it terrifying? For me, I was looking for answers. I was looking to see, I, I was hoping I was going to find out all the people that were creating pain in my life. Because even at the time, I wasn't willing to, you know, take charge of, you know, maybe this has to be doing, you know, because of my childhood. I had, the minute that I left the U.S., I had completely just wanted to shut down my childhood. I didn't want to see anything that reminded me of a little girl because of the pain. Mm -hmm. and, and so when I was doing the ayahuasca, I literally, I remember wanting to find out who are the people that were creating so much challenge, who were the ones that were like pulling me down. I wasn't willing to take my own responsibility. And so when I did the ceremony, with both my parents, my mom, my dad, and, and a cousin who used to live in the Amazon. Wow. We did it in a beautiful circle. Yeah, I, it was a very, it was a very, very healing. It was a, a, a beautiful prince, uh, priestess from the Amazon who was just chanting. And what it is beautiful about the tea and the ceremony is that even as you have, as you, as you take the tea, there's this healing chanting that starts, that actually is what starts helping you opening up into these dark secrets or these dark vaults that you oh want to open. And so for me, what, what really came to me was, I, the first thing that came into my vision was me as a little girl on one of the sessions of the abuse, shivering on a corner. Oh my God. And then I saw myself as an adult just I saw myself as an adult surprise of, of looking at this little girl and I, I just went in and I hugged her and I will never forget the feeling and the emotion, the warmth that this little girl just wanted to be held. And, and as we had that, um, you know, I started hearing rumblings and somehow mountains started forming against us, like in the, in, in the back of us. And then my little girl started pulling me into mountains. And that was just the vision that came for me. 
So it's like magical almost. I mean, it's almost like it's it's not only that you're opening up things that happened before, you're sort of predicting things in the future. You're just like, it's like a fortune telling experience. It's fascinating. I mean, h- how long does it take? How long does it last? And how do you remember everything? I mean, I, I would just imagine it would be so wild. Um, the, the experience lasted, I mean, we started around 1 a.m. through 5 or 4 in the morning. Uh, and it was, I mean, you know, the only some of the down the, the side effects people throw up. In my case, I didn't throw up at all. Um, you know, it, it was just one of these revealing experiences. And it just left me, you know, it, it just, I think it opened up the seed. I mean, it did both things. It allowed me to heal my past, but it also showed me my future. Feels like this magic that yeah. opens up the past, but also opened up the future. And so do you, are you... Um, do you uh, believe in or are interested in the world of psychedelics used medically? You know how people are using like small micro dosing or? I, yes, 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 yes. I do believe, I mean, uh, I, I'm a big supporter, especially to treat addiction. Um, and I think if, if done with the appropriate supervision, it can allow you to discover. I mean, I've, I mean, m- many people that have done ayahuasca that I've spoken with, uh, you know, who did it for similar reasons, I mean, they usually are able to connect to that sacred part of themselves. Wow. I just think, I, I, I just think it's very challenging. I mean, you possibly can achieve some of this with a lot of regression therapy, but, but if done properly, and the fact that this is an old medicine, that it is also, you know, nature is in the jungle. Wow. I mean, when you look at all the properties, I mean, that's usually what heals us. That's a fascinating concept. I, I'm scared because I like to be in control, but I would be interested in that because I'd like to unlock a lot as well. So um, you are a gay woman who enters into uh, a life of climbing mountains and you have created new world records for women. Um, First gay woman to climb the seven summits. And um, I don't know how many women have actually done that to begin with. Do you? Uh, it's, you know, we're still under 30. I wow. mean, it's, it's very few of us. I mean, it, it's still up there. But, you know, like I'm, st- I keep saying right now, I'm the first, I'm the only Peruvian woman who has climbed Everest. I don't want to be the last. I, I still am thinking, how can I bring a much bigger group? Because it just makes a difference. I mean, it, this, this story is, I mean, not only as a woman, as a gay woman, especially until we have equality, this is so important for us to bring it up. I agree. And how has... First of all, two questions. One, how has your sexuality played into something that is male-driven and just a man's sport or, you know, adventure? And second of all, what does this entail? What does this feel like? Like, what kind of training does it take? And where do you dig? How deep do you dig? And, and what is it that gets you to continue? Because there have to be, have to have been times where you definitely wanted to give up. And people listening here are, are entrepreneurs, are, are, uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. And we all know that we want to give up Mm -hmm. and we're too tired or people are, get sick and have to fight through something. So those are the two questions I want to hear about that, about being a woman in a man's world. And then really like what tools to dig deep and, and, and go and you the mind tricks and that kind of motivation. Okay, so the first question, you know, being a woman doing, you know, something about mountaineering sport that is male predominant, I would say, you know, the ratio is 90 to 10% still. Um, you know, for, it's varied. Um, I've had a couple of bad experiences, not on Everest, but on other mountains in which male guides especially got a little bit I don't know if they were angry because I was gay, but they will start saying things. And your challenge is that your life, you kind of are going to have to be depending on them. So it creates a little bit of uneasiness. Uh, on a lot of the situations, I've been on such difficult, you know, I, I love because I also don't look the part. I don't, I'm not the big talker. Um, so people tend to undermine me. And I just love that. I mean, I'm very persistent. I'm, I'm kind of like one of these quiet leaders. And, and that has been, there's a, there's a lot of strength in it. I mean, I don't undermine anyone. Yeah. 
Well, that's interesting because Kelly Ripa, who's like a tiny, you know, little pretty woman, and yes. Suzanne Summers, who was known as the dumb blonde, are two of the strongest women I've spoken to because people didn't see them coming. Yes. So that's yes. a big note for women. You know, people don't always have to see you see you coming, and that there's a strength in that. There is a strength on the silence. It's as long as you know it inside of you, as long as you keep trusting why you're there, as long as you know that you have worked really hard to be on that same expedition. Wow. I think that's the part that we tend to undermine. It's that everything else is outside noise. And then they're, especially in a lot of mountaineering, you know, with big man talking about, you know, shooting the shit or this and that, and just like, oh, I've done this, I've climbed this, I've conquered this. You know, it was for me, I just, I was never, first of all, because I never found them attractive. So maybe that was a plus mm-hmm. that I wasn't intimidated on that degree. And I wasn't there looking for a husband. Uh, so I felt that it just gave me the opportunity to just focus on what I was doing. And, and ever since I stepped feet on mountains, ever since I started walking around mountains, to me, mountains have been so sacred. They have been so accepting. They have been so inspiring. So, you know, whenever I'm on an expedition, I'm on that particular journey. It's a different mission. Each one is different mission. For me, it is a total different. Absolutely. It's never, and it's never, and, and, you know, in terms of the relationship with men, most men are looking at it about conquering. They are always about, okay, well, I'm going to conquer this peak. And as if the mountain is supposed to be subduing to them, which is not the way that I look at it. I mean, first of all, who am I to conquer something that has been in existence for millions of years? If anything, you know, you are so tiny in, you know, in, in relevance to just how huge these things are that a little windstorm will like kill, like kill you. That to me, every time I'm on an expedition, there is a connection there. You know, I, if anything, I, I do my own gratitude. I do my own ceremonies in just, you know, service and, and you know, completely in, in just respect and in, in actually in a peaceful cohabitation with nature. Well, you're not, you're talking about being present. You're being present and you're about the journey. You're not worried about the destination. The destination will come if you're present through the journey, I guess. No? Well, it's also the, the, more than more, more than that is for me is the the attitude. I'm not conquering anything. Mm-hmm. I I hate that word conquering. I hate the word that you know I'm here to overpower yeah. you. And so I already come disarmed that way. And in my in my idea, it's almost you know kind of asking for permission to have the chance of standing at the top of these these aspects. So so that is my relationship in a lot of expeditions, especially with men. You know how how at times, and and to be fair. I think through mountaineering, I've also started my healing with a lot of men, especially in Everest. Uh, you know, we were there for two months. I mean, we could have been killed with an avalanche or any point. So at, at every day, you are at a constant risk that it could be your last day. Wow. So I, I started developing very strong and very powerful and kind relationships that opened me up in a world that, you know, unfortunately, on, on every, almost every day-to-day basis can be a little bit more challenging. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop, but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Imagine the feeling of pulsing electric shocks. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. That, but the gender that was emotionally abusive to you and physically abusive to you, now you've, you've, you've chosen a whole lifelong journey with a sport that puts you to be trapped with men. I mean, it's literally like, it's crazy. I mean, you're not, you didn't put yourself in a place with a bunch of women that felt safe with you. You, you, you went on yes. this journey and now you're with men, which was the plight of your existence. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, if you think about that. Yes, it, it, and but it's proper never. I mean, I've been very lucky that the more that I keep climbing, the more that I'm able to, you know, have a much better interaction and, and being able to know that. So in terms of that first question in relationship with men, it's been unique. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's allowing me to also know how to, you know, to, to show up in, in my own way. I've actually been able to appreciate my own strengths, mm-hmm. know what I can bring to the table. Um, and to your second question about, especially for entrepreneurs, you know, the biggest part that I have learned in my life is the strength in my own vulnerability. On those times when I felt that I couldn't go any further, especially when allowing myself to cry, mm-hmm. like having massive breakdowns, but also, but also feeling that I was going to be okay, that is possibly one of the biggest lessons. I mean, the, the, I remember when I first, uh, when we first started the Everest expedition, there was a very famous mountaineer, Ed Viestras. He's the first American man who climbed the tallest 14 mountains in the world without oxygen. And I sat next to him and I asked him, you know, Ed, what is your biggest advice to climb Everest? And he told me, Sylvia, you would always have a bad day. And please don't quit after that. I thought he was going to tell me, like, make sure that you put the strength forward, make sure that you focus on this end. And, and so those words of advice, I remember going like, I'm always going to have a bad day. What are you talking about? Um, and so on our way to the summit, we got caught up on a storm that almost killed us all. Now, when you say we, you went with people or people you pick up along the way? Like you did it with people? We, we are all part of our professional expedition. Oh, okay. And, uh, and actually, when I first started, um, which I talk about it on, on my book, um, I was the only woman with seven other men. So you can imagine here I am being like, okay, this is great. I want to be with these seven men. And a lot of them were, you know, talking smack and saying like, yeah, Sylvia, if you can make it, I'll take a flag of you, blah, 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 blah. And little by little, you know, as we started getting, you know, starting doing the, the different uh, rotations in the mountain, three of them ended up leaving you know, got sick, altitude hit them. So by the time we got a push for the summit, it was three men and me. So they they have to go back down. They get rescued out. There's no rescuing. Like what happens? You're sick, you're dying, you're up there. What what goes on? Like this is so, uh, this is so scary. Well, especially depending as to what stage of the expedition, uh, the very first guy that left, he, it was just at the very start of climbing the glacier. And he altitude hit him. He was actually former CIA MI6, um, and he had to be helicopter out. The second person ended up pulling a ribcage on our way to Camp Two at close to twenty three thousand feet. They had to helicopter him out. It was a pretty big deal, um, and so it just depends. I mean, up to a certain height. You can be rescued by helicopter, which is also very dangerous. If you go over 24,000 feet, 
especially once we get closer to 26, 27, you can't really be rescued by helicopter. You have to be brought down by people. Mental anxiety. Absolutely. Oh. Is this about, are you in incredible shape or it's not really only about that? Like, are you, could you run a marathon tomorrow like it was nothing or it's not, this, it's not like that? I've actually been out of climbing mountains since I started writing the book. So, uh, but I'll tell you, I came out of one and I did run a marathon two weeks after. And so uh, it it can put you in that good shape. I mean, especially with Everest, I, by the time I got down, I think I had lost about 20 pounds, but you know, you're constantly carrying weight and you're constantly, so it puts you in in really good shape, but, but I've been off, off season right now. So I'm trying to get back in season. Wow. What a mental, you're dealing with every element. You're dealing with altitude. You're dealing with sun. You're dealing with cold. You're dealing with, oh my God. Wow. You're amazing. This is crazy. That's just uh, extraordinary. Well, it's a little. It's it's definitely out there, but but even continuing to this, to what you were asking, like what has been my true superpower that I've taken through all of these? I think my vulnerability, my vulnerability in mountains. I mean, that moment in which you just feel that you can't go any further, when you just let yourself feel, when especially the times that I had been alone, um, and I just I I felt that I couldn't. Just record, like I remember, I remember in this particular storm, I wanted somebody to touch me. I wanted somebody to hug me. By the time I, I found a safe spot, you know, we were over 25,000 feet. I felt I was about to die. Storm is coming in. I get into my tent. I just needed my mom to come and hug me. I just needed, I, I needed that warmth. I've just felt I can't go any further. Ah. This is it. And, and, I, and there was nobody. And the only thing that I had inside was my oxygen tank and me. Oh, my God. And so I remember I grabbed my oxygen tank and I gave myself that warmth. And that was completely just what changed everything for me. Like the minute that I was able to feel myself and actually in in the extreme of situations, realizing that I wasn't alone. Wow. That is what really turned it for me. And, and so to, to the question about the advice, I think, especially when you are at that point in which it feels that you can't go any further, I think to realize and, and to be able to just reconnect or touch something within you, mm-hmm. just even feeling the beating heart, it, it is what is gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring you back to earth. It's going to bring you back to like, okay, I'm going to be okay. It's just, this is going to pass. It's a bad day. And I remember like the, the words from Ed really hit me there being like, this is my bad day. This is the worst is going to happen. The sun is going to come out. And, and literally three hours later, the beautiful sun was out and whew, we were able to continue. But it's a moment in time and your body can take you. So you have to yes. just trust it. So people who have been sexually abused, who suffer from addiction, who want to lose weight, who want to do something interesting and crazy that no one believes that they could ever do. How do you, what advice do you give to them to change their life, make a change? Is it something, uh, you did something what I, what I believe to be drastic. You went and took ayahuasca. So, you know, do you, do you think that people have to like ignite something like something something has to happen for something to happen like it's not necessarily gradual you might just do something that shocks yourself or you know what what how do you give that advice you know my my biggest advice to people is first of all i i'm a huge proponent get out in nature i i think you know being able to find you don't need to find the tallest mountain in the world of course if you want to come but but there is so much power about being able to be surrounded in nature, to being quiet, to be able to have that sacred connection. I, my, the other part to me, the other, the, other, the other advice that I love to give is just trust yourself. If you have that inquiry, if you have that question, don't be afraid. I think if we try to rely on someone else to maybe you know, kind of become your, your support or just being able to acknowledge, oh, of course, you should do this. That's when it gets a little tricky because not, all, not, not everybody has your back. So I would say when you have that big dream, big calling, don't be afraid of it. Your inner voice. Your inner voice is wisdom. Your inner voice will always guide you to the right spot. And I think it's just the noise that we allow to influence us. I mean, we are all here. And I tell this to people. If I can climb to Everest, anybody can do it. There's no difference. I mean, between you and I, absolutely none. 
or start a business or whatever it is for them, whatever their Everest is. Yeah. Whatever their Everest is, is absolutely doable. It is just about trusting that. I mean, for me, what started me on this journey was this opportunity. I mean, I follow this vision of my little girl who was bringing me there. This little girl who had suffered so much, Mm -hmm. had this dream about, you know, pulling me into mountains, um, had this, you know, this innocence. Why not? I, I mean, it, and one of the things that it is really trippy is that the image that I saw in the ayahuasca vision was from a picture that my mother had taken when I was in Christmas in Peru, and there was a snowman behind that Christmas picture. And I had never seen snow in my real life because mm. we're a southern continent. So what was interesting is like my destiny also was in the picture. Yes. So there, there, there is something powerful. I think along for all of us within, you know, who have all of our aspirations and dreams, the signs are there. Well, you know, I often say we all are work, 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 work and achieve, achieve, achieve. But when you quiet down, you meditate, you relax, you do yoga, you walk on the beach, you swim, you do something that's not on your phone good ideas come like these amazing ideas come and that's because you're not having noise but you have you're listening to your voice i've even talked about that with food people eat out of anxiety and that's noise i was good i was bad i ate a lot i'll be good tomorrow that's noise a voice is okay i had a brownie so next i'm gonna have a salad like calmly listening to a voice and we have so many messages now so much social media people are crowded. It's hard to hear your inner voice. So find whatever it is it's going to take you. That's great. That that's. I'm glad that that just came out because that that we all have to be reminded reminded of that. Um, what was the most challenging of hikes of journeys? Everest. Actually, it was Denali. Uh, the uh, Denali is in Alaska, and it took me three times to actually make it to the summit. Um, and I. I mean, most of the mountains was, I was very lucky to do it on the first time, but, but especially the last one took everything out of me. And I was still dealing with my own drinking uh, on that one. And after Denali, I've been now three years sober. Um, but You could tell a difference in your body. Wow, <laughs> you totally, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I think, I mean, and that's a personal choice. I mean, yeah. I don't, I, to, to all of my friends who never, never have gatherings, you know, I'm not like, oh, don't drink in front of me. No, I mean, that, that was for me, my own personal journey. That's my own personal work. I, I think if somebody offers me a drink from Mars, I might have to consider something different. But, mm-hmm. you know, until that comes, I mean, I'm, I, I think I've drunk enough yeah. for, for a couple of lifetimes. Yeah. But, but definitely Denali was the last, um, you know, I, we almost, we got hit by another different storm. I almost died. And it was one of those, like, I mean, I, I came very close to my life and, and I think uh, that definitely shook a lot of it. I mean, I think by the time I finished Denali, when I reached base camp, I kneeled and I started crying because I felt I had given everything to the mountain. And it was one of these emotions of like, wow, hmm. I literally had nothing left inside. Um, but that has been quite, quite difficult. And, and actually this journey, I mean, r- bringing this book to life, I am so proud of just how raw, honest, vulnerable it is. I, I mean, the amount of work that I did with my therapist to actually get into the moments and the emotions, and I was able to bring out things that I had totally forgotten, um, even how I was raped by a former boss in, in my 20s. So it's, it's just one of those things that it's powerful what the mind can do, and especially when trauma gets, I mean, how much we can block. It's amazing. What's the book called? It's called In the Shadow of the Mountain. In the Shadow of the Mountain. And your philanthropy effort for young girls is... Courageous girls. Courageous girls. It's amazing. Yes. Well, it's interesting that you have chosen uh, a journey where you really do... It's got so much risk. You risk your life, but so much reward. And you've, you know, dug so deep to really make such a meaning out of your life and your journey and your childhood. And now how amazing and inspiring to bring that to the page and then to bring that to a movie and have a human being like Selena Gomez portray you. It really sounds like you've done the work. Sounds like you are a person who has emotionally and physically and spiritually done the work to climb this sort of metaphorical Mount Everest also. 
I think we're a constant work ourselves. Um, you know, I got sober by, uh, I didn't do AA. I ended up going into compassion cultivation trainings and I started learning what it meant to give myself compassion. Mm. I think many of us are incredibly compassionate against others, but sometimes we don't understand what compassion to ourselves means. Mm, that's a great point. And it's, I mean, that particular journey opened up so much in me. I think that is something that I practice on a daily basis. I mean, compassion and gratitude. Um, and, and it is just what, you know, this, this incredible journey, I mean, things have been opening up for me. Um, you know, this opportunity of working with someone as talented as just inspiring as Selena. I mean, her, her life story for me, you know, I mean, her vulnerability with everything mm -hmm. that she's going is it, just something you know, that I am in awe of her. And she had lupus and had a, yes. li you know, life-threatening uh, circumstance in 2017. So, you know, she's been through yeah. feeling like she's yes. hit bottom and scared. And it's amazing. Yes. Well, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy to have met Thank you. you. I would you know, never have heard your story until if I saw the movie and that would have been sort of not getting it from this granular perspective. And I'm just so grateful to for you to open up and what an amazing story and journey you've had. And I'm just, you know, it's, I'm going to be thinking about it for a while to come and I'm going to think about what I'm going to do now <laughs> and how I'm going to get to my inner pain. <laughs> Well, Bethany, if you ever want to talk more about ayahuasca, I mean, it, it has, I think, it, like the science is now supporting a lot of it. Um, you know, it can look, it can seem a little bit daunting, but when, when done in the proper amount, I mean, it's, it's about your subconscious. It's about just imagine the beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about it. I mean, well, we, we know someone in common, so I'm going to talk to Jill about it. I'm going to talk to you about it yes. because what, it, maybe this happened for a reason. So, but about you, thank you so much. You're so inspiring and I'm so glad to have met you. I can't wait to meet you in person. So thank you for talking to us today. Thank you so much. It was what an honor. All the way down from Peru. Muchísimas gracias. I'm, I'm, I'm just so thrilled. Thank you. Muchas gracias. Have a wonderful day. This is a woman who, I mean, makes me want to change my life in so many different ways. What an inspiration. I mean, let's talk about someone who suffered sexual abuse addiction, sexual abuse from such a young age going on for years in a, an uber Catholic, uber religious uh, Peruvian household with very little parental involvement, uh, becomes an alcoholic, does ayahuasca to open up her past and leads herself to a mountain. She sees mountains. So she starts mountain climbing and she's climbed the seven summits going into places for two months where it takes you to get to the top where men are dropping like flies. She's hitting storms and weather and, and people get sick. And I mean, two months of your life. What? I mean, then to, to write this entire story into a book that becomes a movie that Selena Gomez, who has suffered her own challenges in her life, emotionally and physically and mentally and, uh, medically was playing her in this movie. This is insane. What a crazy story. She has a philanthropic effort, Courageous Girls, where she helps girls work through their issues from sexual abuse. She she uh, is very vocal about speaking up against sex trafficking. And uh, she wrote a book, In the Shadow of the Mountain. I mean, what else needs to be said? This is different than what we usually talk about. But there's so many things that she talked about that can be applied to just life, to business, to parenting, to everything, just to, to, to addiction, to just accomplishing and surviving and fighting and building and growing and learning and evolving. So that was incredible. And I'm sure we're all a little bit shook from it. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. I can't wait to hear what you thought about Sylvia's journey that continues. So thank you so much. I appreciate you.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.